Hello, welcome to the Jew3 Project Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Fields. I'm the founder of the Jew3 Project. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of the Jew3 Project Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Lisa Fields, the founder of the Jew3 Project, and I'm joined by my co-host, um, Cameron Triggs. Hi, Cam. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> it's going good. And we have a very special guest, Dr. Albert Moeller on the line with us. Welcome, Dr. Moeller. Lisa, it's great to be with you and Cameron today. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you for accepting our invitation. If for our listeners who don't know um, who you are, could you um Give them an introduction. Yes, I am a president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, that's uh, that's what I do. I'm a pastor, and, and uh, I teach the scriptures, and I get to teach young ministers. And uh, as of just a few days ago, I'm also the grandfather to Benjamin, so that's who I am. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Is that your first grandchild? It is. Our daughter, Katie, and her husband, Riley, uh, uh, welcomed uh, Benjamin on November the 5th, so we're very happy. That's awesome. Congratulations. Um, today we want to talk about um, gender. Um, it's in our in our culture now, this whole gender identity thing is really big, um, especially with the um, unveiling of Caitlyn Jenner on the cover of Vogue. Um, it's been something that's kind of been in the news for quite some time, but when Bruce Jenner transitioned, it became really big, and it caused many people in the church to kind of scratch their heads like what are we going to do next what should be our next step so we thought you would be the perfect person to talk about this issue with um for those who are struggling i know it in the bruce jenner interview um he he um described the difference between sexual orientation and gender gender identity um I never knew really there was a difference or thought that critically about it um in your study what have you um gain uh, what can you tell us about the difference between sexual orientation and gender identity well lisa this is a really modern question because uh it, it, just to put the matter bluntly human beings never talked this way before and <laughs> and it's a part of this larger sexual revolution that, that's grounded in the idea that human beings are absolutely autonomous you know the great the great worldview clash is between those who believe that human beings are creatures made by God in his image and those who believe that we're basically just autonomous individuals. And if we're autonomous individuals, we can determine our own morality, our own sense of meaning. And, uh, and yet it's still a jump for most people to say, I can determine my own gender identity or, 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 or what, to use the common language, you know, come to know my gender identity is other than my biology. So uh, according to the, the, the modern uh, uh, notion of the behind the transgender movement, Biological sex is one thing, that's biology, but, uh, but gender identity is a very different thing. And, uh, and, and by the way, the, the Christian responding to that would have to understand that, according to Scripture, those are supposed to be the same thing. And uh, it's only in a very, very recent time that people would openly suggest that somehow gender identity and, uh, and sexual identity could be two different things. That's great, uh, Dr. Moeller. Um, you know, one of the great uh, contributions you've made in terms of evangelicalism, you talked about this uh, uh, 
in the forum with many liberals. Huffington Post has featured uh, some of your comments. Uh, the Atlantic has featured some of your comments. And they're really uh, drawn by your view of this issue uh, combined with Christian love. And for our listeners, just want to ask, is it possible for a person to stand against discrimination against transgender people and still hold the view that gender is sacred and should not be altered? Well, Kim, when, when we think about uh, the word discrimination, I, I, that there's so much in that. I'd need to know more about uh, about what we're asking. We, we, we wouldn't want to discriminate someone be able to get a reservation at a restaurant or being able to get a, a seat on an airplane mm-hmm. uh, on the basis of such an issue. But uh, but that'd be very different than, uh, for instance, uh, teaching uh, Sunday school at your church, or mm-hmm. uh, or uh, or perhaps even uh, in a situation of uh, you know uh, came up just recently, you know, being a, a salesperson in the women's wear area, uh, you know, mm-hmm. in the changing area, or being mm-hmm. a, a middle school coach. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, one of the things we have to understand is that uh, Christians really do believe that there are certain things that can't be changed. Mm-hmm. And one of those is our actual identity. That's and, and notice I didn't put sexual or gender in front of that. Uh, the, the the biblical worldview is that our identity is a part of God's gift to us in our birth, and mm-hmm. uh, so to tamper with that just has all kinds of consequences. Mm-hmm. That's very good. Uh, just a follow up question that is relevant to our our listeners as well in the African American context. Um, and it's actually question nine in your book. We cannot be silent. And I highly recommend that to everybody. Um, since the sexual revolution uses the rhetoric of the civil rights movement, should we differ, uh, differentiate between racial identity and sexual identity? Well, I think I think we have to. And, and uh, you know, the civil rights movement was based in a very significant moral claim. And uh, and we need to remember this uh, uh, j- just to take one example. And that's Martin Luther King, Jr., he explicitly grounded his uh, his argument for civil rights in the fact that every single human being is made in God's image. All you have to do is read Letter from Birmingham Jail, mm. and you come to understand that uh, that biblical worldview was indispensable to Dr. King's argument. Well, we're the ones who are making that argument now. That is, th- those who hold to a, a biblical understanding of humanity, we are the ones who are making that argument. The real... Mm civil rights arguments being made by those who want to make clear that every single human being is made in God's image, and we are not autonomous agents, uh, mm. free to decide how much value uh, any one of us may have, what our uh, gender identity or, or anything else may have. The other problem, just even at the, at the ground level, with extending these uh, sexual issues to the civil rights movement, is that nobody's willing to take that to its logical conclusion. Nobody. Mm. And so, you know, there are people who will say, well, we need to, 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 uh, to use that civil rights argument for same-sex couples, right, to get married, and, and we'll stop there. And others say, no, we need to extend that to the, uh, to the transgender movement, and we'll stop there. But, you know, when you start looking on these campus organizations, LGBTQ, and it goes on, it's not going to stop there. I mean, hmm. you've got, uh, well, what about those who are seeking polygamy or those, uh, and, uh, and, and that's not a hypothetical thing. There are cases in the courts right now. Uh, nobody, I think, at least I've never met any honest person who's willing to take that logic to its ultimate conclusion. If civil rights is the right morality for sex, then where in the world would that stop? With what sexual practice or, or with what sexual lifestyle? Hmm. I mean, I agree. Um... How should the church uh, respond to a transgender person that visits? 
Well, you know, that's, a, that's a, a, an interesting question, Lisa. And I'd say the first thing is, how would we respond to anyone who visited? That, that's a first question. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and do we expect the people who visit our churches already to believe what we believe and to, to, to live as we live? Or do we want people to walk into our churches who, uh, who do not yet know Christ, and they have mm-hmm. no idea how to follow Christ, and they have no desire in their hearts to be, to be faithful to Christ because they don't even know Him as Lord and Savior? Mm-hmm. I, I think we just need to say, honestly, we want everybody uh, to walk into our churches. And if we don't mean that, we're just not being faithful to Christ. But we want everyone who walks into our churches to hear the full gospel and uh, to hear uh, everything that's revealed in God's Word. And, uh, and, and so this one does present some unique challenges, because this isn't just like any other visitor when someone shows up and let's just say clearly biologically male, and says, hello, I'm a woman, my name is, uh, is Stephanie. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, it's probably not the, the appropriate Christian thing to look at, her, uh, look at, at him and say, no, you're not. That's mm-hmm. probably not the best way to continue a conversation. But on the other hand, the Christian can't look to a, a man claiming to be a woman and say, yes, you are. And so, just as in so many other situations, we're going to have to learn how to, to speak the truth in love, and we're going to have to learn how to love people before they agree with us, and, mm-hmm. and before they share our worldview, and, and even before they share our faith in Christ. Uh, and, and so we're going to have to learn some new, uh, so, some new uh, evangelistic and, and, uh, and missiological uh, uh, modes of conversation here. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I hope that makes some sense. It, it, you know, there's just not a boilerplate conversation. I, I've had already dozens of these conversations, and uh, not one of them is like the other in, in terms of how how we get started. That's great, Dr. Moeller. Um, in terms of discipleship, if a transgender person comes to faith in Christ, what are their next steps? Uh, must they have surgery to reverse the initial change? Can they continue and their transgender uh, identity, and even issues of, say, this transgender person may be married um, to a person of the same sex. Just walk through us uh, different discipleship um, tactics or issues yeah. or topics we should be considering. You know, I, I'm just imagine somebody from, say, 100 years ago listening to you ask that question. <laughs> they, they wouldn't have any categories even to understand right. what we're talking about. That's how, that's how revolutionary this is. But on the other hand, uh, when you look at Christian history, I mean, th- there have been different points in which the Church has had to say, okay, what do we do when a polyg- polygamist with eight wives comes to Christ? What do mm-hmm. we do? So th- th- this is not as new in that sense as we might, as we might think. Mm-hmm. But all of us are called to follow Christ in, in faithfulness. You know, we remember the Great Commission's not just uh, to baptize people, but to, to, to baptize them, teaching them to obey Christ, said, all that I have commanded. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Scripture's clear, Old and New Testaments, that a part of God's command is that we live out that identity God's given us, and, and that is as male and female, as God made us. And uh, so even in the New Testament, there are notes about how men are to dress like men and women to dress like women, and that's a part mm-hmm. of faithfulness. And, mm-hmm. and so we need to encourage anyone who comes to faith in Christ and is struggling with these issues that that's where faithfulness is to be found. You asked two technical questions. One is, if someone's had gender reassignment surgery, do they need to undo that surgery? Well, I think that what they have to do is to present themselves as best they can, faithfully as God made them. If they were born biologically male, they need to identify as a man. If there's been gender reassignment surgery, 
that's going to require some conversation with a doctor. And, and, and by the way, at least at present, I don't believe that doctors will undo that surgery. That's a, mm. that's a pretty massive surgery. But you know what? The, the, that person can still reclaim, uh, if a man his identity, if a woman her identity in Christ, and, and God's people should love them in their effort to be faithful and see that as a sign of God's grace and mercy. And uh, you mentioned marriage in the second. Uh, well, here's the interesting thing. From a Christian perspective, we don't actually believe they were ever married. Mm-hmm. And, and so that is theologically not really a problem. Uh, mm-hmm. In other words, we, we would certainly encourage them to get legally unmarried, but theologically we don't believe they ever were married. Mm. That's definitely helpful, because um, I know a lot of leaders are struggling with this as um, transgender um, persons are coming and, and joining churches. How do we, you know, deal with this um, issue? Um, what what else on this subject would you like our listeners to know? Well, I think the first thing and uh, and last thing I want to say is that the gospel is 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 all we need uh, for responding to any human problem. That is the the worldview of the gospel and all that that Christ has given us. And so we we shouldn't respond in fear about this. I think too many Christians are 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 just deadly afraid that uh, somehow this issue is bigger than the gospel. It's not, hmm. and uh, and and that's our that's our assurance. And uh, you know, Christ is sufficient for all of these things. And uh, and by the way, every one of us uh, is broken. Every one of us has has found wholeness only through Christ. And that wholeness is not fully evident in us yet, and uh, that's why we are awaiting our glorification. So that means you got a transgender person who comes to faith in Christ, and for the rest of their lives, you know, even in the way they 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 talk or present themselves or look, there's going to be an incompleteness to their sanctification that's going to be obvious. And uh, let that just be a sign that the sanctification of all of us has uh, has uh, deficiencies that will be obvious until Christ makes us whole. And so we should embrace that and say, you know, the church is made up of broken people, and some of that brokenness is going to show. And uh, But the gospel is sufficient for this. And the church, living out the gospel and faithfulness, is sufficient for this because of Christ. And uh, so we should look forward to the day when we walk into a church, and the gospel is being preached, and the Lord's being worshipped, and uh, people are hearing the preaching of the Word, and they're singing together, and uh, you look across the congregation, and you see the beautiful picture of brokenness being made whole. And uh, if if uh, if we read First Corinthians, the Apostle Paul's talking about that, saying about sexual sin, you can't sin and claim like that to be a Christian. But the church is made up. Remember those words: "Such were some of you." The church is made up of those who bring all of that brokenness to Christ and and do so together. Mm. Dr. Moeller, thank you so much for those answers um, and your emphasis on the gospel and your reliance on the gospel. Um, just to our listeners, we want to highly recommend We Cannot Be Silent. Um, Dr. Moeller, that is a great book. I finished it uh, just a couple uh, days ago, and uh, it's phenomenal. I encourage all of our listeners to get it. Um, do it even as a uh, Sunday school material, small group material, because it is a pivotal issue that we need to know about. Um, any last words for our listeners? No, other than I just want to encourage uh, you and and encourage Lisa in this podcast. I think it's really, really important, and uh, I, it's been a great honor for me to be with you. Thank you for your time, Dr. Moeller. Well, God bless you. Call me anytime. 
Thank you for listening to another episode of the Jude 3 Project Podcast. You can catch all our past episodes at www.jude3project.com backslash podcast. You can follow us on iTunes by searching Jude 3 Project. Also, you can follow us on Twitter at Jude 3 Project, on Instagram at Jude 3 Project, and on Facebook at facebook.com. Um, backslash Jude 3 project and remember you can donate on our site so if this um, this podcast and this ministry is a blessing to you help support us financially um, by going on our website at jude3project.com and hitting the donate tab um, and donating consider donating to us thank you so much remember at the Jude 3 project we're helping you to know what you believe and why you believe it